Hi, we're Believe, a Ted Lasso podcast. We're also Team Binge. Mm. I'm Julian. This is Tom. We are here to talk about Season 1, Episode 6 of a TV show called Ted Lasso. Mm. It'd be weird if we did a different TV show. <laughs> it would be weird, but if you're joining us for the first time on this episode, that's what we're talking about. I can get how this could be a fan favorite episode. Maybe you just want to go right into this one. Hey, based on our play numbers, I don't know what people <laughs> like and what they don't. So this episode is called Two Aces. It is written by a gentleman by the name of Bill Vrubel. Vrubel? <laughs> Gotta be it. Bill Vrubel. Kind of like Vrabel, the football player. Because both of them start with a W and a V. Is that a Vikings tight end or something? No, he was a Patriots linebacker. Oh, uh, um, And now he's okay. like the head coach of the Tennessee Titans, isn't yeah, he? Good for him. Sorry, wrong sport. We lost half our audience. <laughs> So this was written by Bill Vrabel, Vrubel. <laughs> Dang it, I'll get it. Anyways, uh, I looked up his IMDb. He's written on a number of shows. Modern Family, uh, Ted Lasso, Will and Grace, mm. Ugly Betty. Mm. I know you loved Ugly Betty yeah. back in the day in that ABC lineup. Big UB fan. Sixth episode. Some fun stuff here is we get some particular player bios. Yeah. Uh, through the episode, we go a little bit deeper into some backgrounds. We discuss curse, curses and ghosts. Uh, so one of our questions of does Ted believe in ghosts is answered during this episode. Indeed. And then we are introduced to a new player on the team, Danny Rojas. So great. I don't want to go into Danny Rojas right now. I'm going to save about 50 minutes in the middle of this to talk <laughs> about Danny Rojas. I did want to talk about at the top, at the end of last episode, Ted and Michelle have split, or mm -hmm. at least during the splitting, Beard comes out, they cheers, they tap beer glasses, they tap the bench, mm -hmm. and then they drink. And we talked about that tradition. I looked that tradition up. Okay. You cheers for the people in the room, mm -hmm. and you tap as they, like, salute to people that aren't there. Mm, like so, it. like, some things said it was about, like, the people that brought the beer there, like, all the people in commerce that bring it there. Okay. Some, it was more about, like, relatives that aren't there. So that's where that tradition comes from. You're all very welcome. <laughs> Is it like pouring one out after you, like before you have a drink? Nope. You tap the bench. There's no pouring out. They're completely different. Pouring Tom. out's more for like your your like homies. For, for, okay, for homies. I was gonna say your that. homies. All right, nailed it. Is that a term that you don't <laughs> typically use? So the episode starts with some sad music and mm. Ted sitting lonely on the side of his bed. And to throw back to the next episode, he removes his wedding ring, and then he goes to work. I, the start of this episode, I was a little afraid that the whole episode was going to be kind of like Ted dealing with the sadness of all of it. Okay. Um, so I was kind of, obviously, he needed to. He needed to deal with those emotions. Sure. But I'm glad in the funny way that they kind of do it to start this scene or this, this, this episode. I thought was handled kind of good and he's still dealing with it throughout the episode sure. but not just constantly like mopey or whatever like he kind sure. of started oh, i would argue that he's completely forgotten that he split <laughs> with his wife because at no point does he mention it flash taking off his wedding ring uh first scene he is at the facility he's late to the facility mm -hmm. he's clearly you know not thinking because he got lost on his way there uh, <laughs> once again thinking about his wife and him splitting up he said something like I'm going to drown myself in my work, but drown is a bad term. No, no, so no. Just bury. They want to bury himself. In oh, words. bury. Yes. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. So then he says, I'm going to bathe myself in work, <laughs> which has a more positive <laughs> connotation. I love him just rattling off, like, just stream of consciousness, sure. everything out of his head. Like, what is normally, like, his cool quips in the back of his head that he mm -hmm. kind of gives out. He's thinking about it, saying them out loud putting on a shirt backwards, all sure. this stuff. He's frazzled. I picture him walking around the town and the sad Charlie Brown music playing <laughs> as he's just got his head down and he's just like slowly shuffling. That's what I picture his day as. And then Nate's talking about being worried about... What was Nate oh, talking was, about? Yeah, he was so great. He's just like um, very... He's deeply worried about aging when uh, he's talking about like his skin. I can't remember what was the preface of it, why he, he kind of brought it up. But I just love Nate's like he's just... Oh, very deeply, deeply, deeply sad about being aged. Does he t does he talk about bathing and like taking care of your skin and that's how they get no, on? Oh, it's a bath bomb. Oh, the bath, bath bombs. Yeah. He asked Beard what his favorite like flavor bath bomb, and Beard's got an answer, which was great. Oh, uh, that's so good. 
So then they talk about cute. He talks about cute nicknames. He calls someone sweetie or yeah. something, and it runs through the episode. Yeah, he has a little callback kind of towards the end, but yeah, it was a, a great little call. I think he he does call Nate sweetie. He's like, thanks, sweetie. Okay. <laughs> so then we find ourselves at the press conference. He gets asked a question about their first win. He gives this quote, and I'll read it verbatim because I'd like to break this down and mm. see if you agree with it. He says, I believe you can outscore your opponent and still lose, and just like you can score less than them and win. Did I say that right? I think yeah, I said that right. You said that right, but it is an odd quote. Well, I think, are we getting to Ted's whole philosophy that it's not about wins or losses? His point being a team can win mm -hmm. maybe by playing together, you know, being good teammates, but still lose a game by not scoring enough. Yeah, I I think it's it's another way to say what he said in the previous episode or the, the Trent Krim episode where he's it's not about the wins and the losses, it's about um, doing right by these men and helping them, you know, find themselves and lead and all that kind of stuff. So I think it's just another way to say it. More, sure. A better sports metaphor for it. Sure. I mean, one of the important things we love about Ted is it's not all about winning. One of the things that I have struggled to make it to Lasso Level, level 7 is not having it all about winning. Because you in my soul, I'm not necessarily a winner, but I like winning. So it's the losing that you hate the most. He calls on the reporters in the room. He uses all of their names. Oh, yeah. He's gotten everyone's name. He calls on <laughs> Trent Krim. I love this moment. He goes, Trent Krim, the independent. Trent Krim stands up and says, Trent Krim, the independent. And then he smiles. They give like, a little look. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Trent Krim obviously enjoying himself. <laughs> Him and Ted, their relationship has only grown and flowered mm -hmm. just like uh trent crim's hair yeah blossom like his beautiful blossom beautiful like mane. his mane trent crim asks him hey i'm assuming you're not going to keep your best player jamie on the bench because yeah. as we know their first win he pulled jamie from the game mm -hmm. and that is when ted gives his the you know what happens when you assume <laughs> and then he does the yeah. english version yeah he's like you make an arse out of you and me which is another example of how the languages don't jive in it. Yeah. And if you listen to it with subtitles, he says jive and in it. I-N-N-I-T, which is surely an Americanism. Uh, but I do like how we get Jamie kind of sidling in in the background because he, oh, that's he right. hears this. Um, it's not just something he might see on SportsCenter or the equivalent in the UK. Yeah, um, He's actually in the room and he kind of sees Ted's... Uh, reaction to to Krim's question i think they even cut to him when ted makes the comment about i think you can still lose a game and outscore mm -hmm. your opponent jamie kind of scoffs at that just rolling he his just, eyes. Yeah, yeah. still doesn't understand mm -hmm. and then we have rebecca and ted uh after the conference the press conference they're walking walk and talk walk and talk classic sorkin here <laughs> sorkin may have written this episode if his name was bill vrubel Ooh, nice. I think, I think you, I did it. I think it. you got it. Third time's a charm. So that was like the fifth time. So well, they third, are walking. Third attempt at it. Sure, third attempt. <laughs> Rebecca tells Ted that to bench Jamie is a master stroke. Ooh, I don't think we're allowed to talk about that in work anymore. <laughs> He's offended by the term master stroke. I'm not going to go into that anymore. Uh, it's a type of engine. Everyone should look it up. <laughs> and then she says, are you going to keep on benching jamie because i think i've got this right manchester city mm -hmm. is saying that they would like jamie back why would manchester city be able to please explain to me our resident soccer expert tom mm -hmm. why manchester city who is not afc richmond why would they get jamie back yeah so he's apparently on loan and i might have said this incorrectly on previous pods and just referred to him as a transfer because a transfer of a soccer player means they're permanently moving to another team a loan is them loaning out a player because he's maybe not a big enough star to start for manchester or manchester city because they've got a lot of good talent in there okay. so they want to make sure that this still very talented player is getting playing time so they'll send him to a mid a mid table team or somebody that's kind of towards the bottom because they know he's going to be a starter and he's going to constantly still get playing time and not ride the bench do you typically see premier teams that would play each other loan players to one another that to me doesn't make sense like what you said mm -hmm. loaning them down or so they get playing time that makes sense to me but these are two premier preemie pre <laughs> preemie teams two preemie teams in the league yep i got it i nailed it, nailed it. um i don't think it does happen that often i think a lot more of the loans are between different leagues across europe 
Um, sometimes what they'll have within these loan contracts is you cannot play against our team. So oh, okay. if Manchester City was playing, and that would make sense, yeah, they, he Jamie would not be able to start in that game. He'd have to be on the bench. Okay. Can a team? And let me finish this whole question. It's Please. going to be a long one. Can a team who has a player on loan then loan that player, and then that team loan that player again? I'll give you an example. I have a house. I have a loan on that house. Mm-hmm. I've also got like three other loans on top of that loan, <laughs> all of which I hope don't come due. And if I hit it big on some of my bets, I won't have to pay them back. <laughs> I don't think you can split apart a player's loan contract, but we'll have to do some. You can't some sublet. No, 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 no. Okay. They're they're at least like they're not fifteen year or thirty year loans. Those not be good for soccer players. This would be interesting in American football if you could loan players out. I think it'd be brilliant. Like the Arizona Cardinals could like loan players out to other teams to make them more ineffective. It would be <laughs> like a sabotage. Here, take our kicker. He sucks. <laughs> so. That is playing player loaning. Thank you for explaining mm-hmm. that to me. You're welcome. And I'm going to be able to talk. One of the jokes Ted says is they're going to take his house. The, the, the setup is great because they're like, they're doing the walk and talk. She says he's on loan. He like stops, gets right in front of him. He's like, they're going to take his house? They're going to take his house, which is such <laughs> a great reaction, such a great line. And then he says, I want my plan to work. I oh. plan on having my plan to work. He says plan like 30 times, Mm -hmm. and he gets to a point where plan has lost its meaning. Have you ever used a word so many times? Can you relate to this? 100%. Really? Okay. Oh, absolutely. I've done this before. You haven't? No, this was was an idea that is foreign to me. All of my words that I say are very (laughs) deliberate and precise, and I don't often repeat myself or say the same thing. Certainly, I don't repeat myself. Yeah, and I think they kind of move from this sequence to then Ted seeing uh, or going into the the office and Ted and Nate and Beard kind of talking. And Beard says specifically what it is, which is, is it semantic satiation or satiation? Semantic satiation. Okay, give us a definition. I know you got to pull that. Okay, so I did a deep dive on this. And by (laughs) that, I spent 45 minutes on the Google machine, as you would call it. Semantic satiation. (laughs) Come on. Wait, satiation? Satiation. I lost it. I've lost it. it. Is a psychological phenomenon in which repetition causes a word or phrase to temporarily lose meaning for the listener, who then perceives the speech as repeated, meaningless sounds. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, I've 100% had this before. Okay. Yeah. I think they do plan. They do what? Aces later. Um, it is just, it's a very weird sensation. Like, it's something you use all the time. I get it sometimes with, like, spelling a word. I'll be like, I don't know how to spell this, and it's the most basic and simple of words. Okay. Like, enough. I'll keep trying to use Fs. I'm like, why am I trying to do this? I could see how this would be something under the influence of a substance, no, but... No, no, not at all. You have to be very clear-minded. Your mind is so focused, you can't even make sense of it anymore. That's how I, that's how I live my life. And then they start talking about a new player. Mm. Ted asks, hey, I heard there's a new player coming in from Mexico. And they say his name is Danny Rojas. Danny Rojas. Not yet. Not yet. Sorry. We're going to have the Danny Rojas conversation. <laughs> I'm so excited. And then Beard tells Ted, I believe, that Jamie is now claiming mm. that he is too hurt to practice. And so Ted goes into the locker room. Jamie is in civilian clothes, essentially. Mm-hmm. Everyone else is dressed for practice. And Ted walks up to him and he starts asking him about it. And he says, I understand you're hurt. If you're hurt, you don't have to play. That's mm-hmm. fine. Ted does not stop at that. You know, he goes into, but we all know it's not that. We all know well, you're not hurt. But before he does that, though, it gets set up by him just kind of saying that. I don't oh. think he, he doesn't confront him quite yet. Okay. He's just kind of like, he wants to get a pulse for Jamie. He wants to see how Jamie's going to react and, you know, talking about practice. That's when Ted starts walking away, seemingly going back to the office. And then Jamie's got to throw this line right back at him. And he says, you know, he's like, relax, Ted. It's just practice. He doesn't call him coach. He doesn't call him yeah. manager, gaffer. He calls him Ted. Ted. Relax. It's just practice. But I love the I love the cinematography in this, too. I think there's a couple points in this scene where I want to kind of call out. But I love where Ted is walking away. He's right at that office door. And he says that um, Jamie says this line and Ted just stops in his tracks. Mm-hmm. And it's you know, the camera's right behind and you see the back of Ted, you see the whole locker room, and this everything goes quiet. Yeah. And then as Ted kind of turns around and sees like he's gonna confront him, 
players start to kind of slowly dissipate, right. and boom, it is now Jamie and Ted to have this very, very interesting exchange back and forth. So right. Hit it. I think there's someone like sitting next to Jamie who like gets oh, up yeah. and is like, oh, very interested in his phone all of a sudden. <laughs> and then Ted goes into, hey, if you're hurt, you're hurt, but it isn't about that. We're talking about practice. Mm. And he has this interesting rant about practice, which I had to look up. And I found out that Jason Sudeikis is essentially taking a Alver, Alvin Iverson rant. Alvin Iverson. <laughs> Alvin. <laughs> Alan. Yes, it's Alan. Wow. What is wrong? Mr. Iverson, <laughs> as I typically would call him. Uh, Mr. Iverson. Alan Iverson. <laughs> yes. A very great basketball player. Well, played for the... Well, I think he's... I mean... First time he was a player. Sure. Played for the 76ers, the Philadelphia 76ers. In 02, he was having a tiff with his coach, and he's in a press conference, and he goes on a rant where he says, we're talking about practice, and he says practice 22 times. Mm. And the debate is whether or not he was intoxicated when he did the... Uh, the press conference. Mm -hmm. Two things you should not do while intoxicated. Three <laughs> things you should not do while intoxicated. One, drive. Yeah, You're yeah. an idiot if you do it. You should not do that. Two is press conference. <laughs> three is podcast. Those are the three major things you should not do while drinking. His coach, this is, I'll, I'll wrap it up okay, with this. Iverson's coach, after hearing this rant, because there was an issue with Iverson not going to practice, mm -hmm. his coach says, well, if he had gone to practice as many times as he said the word practice in that rant, we probably would have been a better team or something along that line, yeah. those lines, which is just great. And so I guess Jason Sudeikis is a big Allen Iverson fan, and he kind of did this as an homage. Gotcha. It almost feels like Ted is glitching a bit in the scene because he says practice so much. I did. I mean, I, I don't follow a whole lot of the basketball. We call it the basketball. Sure, that's the what, basketball. That's what we call it in the States. Um, I don't follow a whole lot of it. I do remember it after you said that, but I was very weirded out by the sequence. Like when he first gets into it and talks about practice and talks about, you know, it's not the game where you put all your, your time. It's about practice. I'm like, oh, he's going to come with something very poignant, but he just drones on and practice, practice. So obviously playing an homage to this, but it did to, I would imagine the, the general audience would seem super weird and out of place. So my thought with that is that we are seeing Ted with the stress of him and his wife separating mm -hmm. the stress of Jamie, just not getting it. Like mm -hmm. Jamie being a complete tool. I think it's like him fraying a little bit. Yeah. And that's where you see like typically happy Ted, positive Ted, like start to kind of uh, fray. You almost saw it in the last episode right before his kid comes in where Jamie kind of yeah. tells him off. You can see him almost start to mm -hmm. go into that mode. So I think there is a gear to Ted that we have not seen that you see a little bit in that. And that's how I took it at least. No, I agree. And I think Ted is what you've seen. It's very difficult to get him to that level. Right. And there are very few things that have. And so far what we've seen have all been Jamie. Right. Um, I do want to bring up one other thing, talking about the cinematography, which I thought was just really cool and fantastic, where it showed a very odd camera angle where it tilts the whole camera. So it then... Because Ted is standing up. You have Jamie sitting, sitting down. down the, right. It tilts the camera angle. So when you're looking at it, Ted and Jamie's eyes are leveled and kind of meeting, huh. which I thought was a very interesting thing. So it kind of says that these guys are on the same level, but clearly Ted is talking down to him and putting Jamie in his place. And I thought it was just a really cool moment. And I don't think the show has done a lot of that in terms of, you know, interesting kind of um, ideas and kind of thoughts, just supposed to just blasting you with what's on the screen kind of tilting it, seeing the background, seeing everything else just kind of distorted, really put those kind of two together. And I sure. really, really like that kind of stuff. Sure. Do you think this was shot by Deacons? No. Because there were cuts in it instead of it being a one shot, it wasn't two a and a half hour yeah. movie about World War One. It wasn't a winner. Which nice? we can tie into <laughs> later on in this oh, episode. We good. Hey man, I'm good at this. <laughs> And then Ted tells Jamie after they after Jamie gets on him about practice, mm -hmm. which he says a lot of times, he tells Jamie, hey, go set up the cones. Do me a great. favor, which is such a great moment. And then Jamie tells his cronies, Colin and Isaac, mm -hmm. hey, go set up the cones. They rebuff him. I love it immediately. He's like, right. oh, man, you set up the cones. He like... calls him and Colin calls him a second teamer, yeah. which is great. <laughs> and that brings in our boy, Roy Kent. <laughs> <laughs> who sits down next to Jamie and says, that's got to sting. 
Cheers. Cheers. And then gets up and goes. Up, go oh, off. it's so great. Roy is enjoying Jamie's humiliation way too much. As does Nate here. As does Nate. <laughs> so we're back in the office, and Nate is in that big glass window, just like eating up Jamie's demise. <laughs> and then Nate expresses how happy he is, and he's wait, laughing. Wait, wait, before you get into this, I want you to take a second. I want you to look at this German word you're about to say, and I want you to think about it before you say it. I listen. I've got the German words. Okay, no issue. Ted says this is a no, no shot. <laughs> I messed up the no, no Scheidenfreud. Okay, no Scheidenfreud zone. <laughs> and then Beard goes nine Scheidenfreud. <laughs> All right, like one percent of our audience is from Germany. That one percent, I'd like to hear from you. Please fix my pronunciation. So great. I had to look up what Scheidenfreude. <laughs> it, is, it is a term that we should all use more. It is the enjoyment obtained from the troubles of others. I'm having a Scheidenfreude right now. You're laughing at my troubles. I don't like it. This is so meta. Scheidenfreude. <laughs> Scheidenfreude. You know what's funny is I spelled it three different ways on the outline. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. And that, let's take it to commercial. Hello, please. Oh, that's so great. All right. We got past Scheidenfreude. <laughs> Why are you still trying? I'm going to get it, man. I'll get there. <laughs> then we're introduced whew, to... The man, the myth, the legend, Danny Rojas. Yes. Danny Rojas, new player from Mexico. This guy comes in just batting a thousand. Comes That's, in hot. It's a baseball term. In football, you would call it he's kicking a thousand. What's a what's a term <laughs> in football that you would um, he's scoring all the goals. He's uh, out of touch. He, no, no, no. That's out of bounds. Well, since they were instead he's, of being out of bounds, he's inbounds. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I like yours better. Kicking a thousand. No, 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 no. Kicking all the goals. Kicking a thousand. Danny Rojas, played by a gentleman, Cristo <laughs> Fernandez. You know what? Let's have you pronounce the hard things for now on. Cristo Fernandez is not a difficult name. Well, it is for some of us. All right. If there's anything that is like semi weird spelled on this outline, I will read it. Thank you. So, Danny Rojas, football is life. Yeah. Football it. is life. He comes running in. He's just a ball of energy. He says hello to the coaches, which is just great. I love his like chanting of himself too. Like oh, as yeah, opposed he's chanting to, his name. As opposed to Jamie, where he's pointing to me and just a complete jerk for doing that. Just right. self-obsessed. You get Danny Rojas is coming out. It's like, Danny Rojas, Rojas, Danny Rojas. Yeah. He's just screaming it. Oh, he's happy. I love it. Ted says something to him like, hey, go take the striker position, which I'm assuming is a position in soccer. It's a forward. Okay. And Danny says something like, just like in Guadalajara, you say, I do. Football is life. And then he just takes off. He's just like the exact opposite of Jamie oh, in yeah. terms of attitude. Love it. And then he runs up. He's like high-fiving the team. He goes to high-five Jamie. Jamie reacts like he's going to punch him. <laughs> and then Jamie has this line, which I didn't catch until, once again, I watched it for like the third or fourth time. Mm -hmm. He said, Jamie says, as, as Danny goes by, chipper D-heads. <laughs> an insult chipper d heads never back it up on the field these mm -hmm. you know happy players guys with good attitudes never good on the field yep. and then we watch danny rojas just tear it up yeah he's got some moves man that actor that actor can ball wait for it tom as our resident football expert what did you think about danny rojas's soccer playing skills his football playing skills dude that guy can ball he's got some moves he's a good soccer player yeah, you wonder if he played in his former life as a professional athlete. Did you have something that says he actually played? Nope. No. I okay. wish I did. It would have made that transition better. Jamie's reaction to uh, Danny's goal is disappointment. And Roy, Roy sidles up to him once again. Roy just, I love Roy. He goes, it's like, I can't tell, but it seems like he's very good. Cheers again. Cheers again. I love it. I love it. That's got to sting. Oh, yeah. Cheers. <laughs> the classic insult. Roy's rubbing it in his face, which is great. So we're a little bit excited now. We've got some We've got some joy on the team. New blood. You know, Jamie is claiming to be injured, but now we've got Danny Rojas. Oh, 
and the actor whose name I it's Cristo Fernandez. Yeah, that's our, our. I looked him up on IMDb, and it looks like this is like his first big acting role. Okay, so everything so else, everything else was shorts, but he's doing a fabulous job. And like, can it, can we can we discuss his hair real quickly? It's Do, phenomenal. It's pretty phenomenal, right? It's like Trent sure. Krim level. Sure. Oh, Trent Krim. Oh, yeah, they're on par. 100%. Like if those if those hairs fought, yeah, whose hair would win? I've already ordered the Danny Rojas wig on Amazon. Have you? It will be arriving soon. I will be wearing it on the next podcast. Those people that are listening won't be able to see it. But those <laughs> people that watch us on YouTube, you're probably still not going to see it. But <laughs> uh, that doesn't matter. So then we have Keely, Rebecca, and Higgins mm -hmm. in Rebecca's office. Keely shows up. Uh, she's got a binder in which she's taken notes on the players' backgrounds. Mm -hmm. And so she starts talking through some of the players' backgrounds. Someone was raised by wolves. Someone's <laughs> left-handed. I don't know. She two left in, hands. Yeah, two left hands. <laughs> Someone was left-handed. What a crazy <laughs> notion. <laughs> Are you left-handed? No. I'm not left-handed. It's crazy in this room. It is. It would be an oddity. Rebecca makes some joke about you couldn't find a binder without a unicorn on it. Oh. And I think that's what Keely tells her to F oh, off, like, like, F off. As, as, as an expression. And Higgins is like taken aback. But Rebecca, of course, liking Keeley, does not react in a negative way. And mm -hmm. Higgins is like, I was wondering what it would be like if I had told you to F <laughs> off. And they all start laughing. And then Rebecca deadpans. She does a great job. She deadpans and goes, uh, we're done, Higgins. Yeah, that is all. And Just then dismisses him. So Higgins leaves. Keeley breaks the news. Mm -hmm. She doesn't think she's breaking the news, but she ends up breaking the news about Rupert Mannion's new girlfriend, Bex, Bex who was the same girl that Jamie brought to the gala. He went home with her, or mm -hmm. at least is now dating her. They both share the same name, Rebecca, and Bex is short for Rebecca. So the press is calling them R new Rebecca. No. Oh, she thinks it's new Rebecca. She thinks it's she new Rebecca. She hopes it's new Rebecca. Right. She hopes it's Rebecca. And, and old and Rebecca. Old Rebecca. Old Rebecca. Yeah, old Keely Rebecca. doesn't want to tell she her. She has to then shout it to her. I do appreciate that Keely's like, do you want me to pretend like that girl wasn't like super fit? Incredibly she, fit. Incredibly yeah. fit. Yeah, that hideous cow whose name is Bex. I would like you to. That hideous cow. <laughs> I did not think this was a huge insult, but I am not a woman in this situation. So being called old Rebecca... If I was called like old Julian, yeah, I guess maybe in that context. I don't think we want still... to touch that. No, no. I will go on record and saying it is offensive. It's a terrible thing, and <laughs> well, I'm glad she's offended. No, by I think it. it's a very fair thing to be offended by when you're being because she's obviously already having problems dealing with this, and now being thrown under the bus by him going and getting with another younger girl. Right. I guess. Okay. I don't want to offend anyone. Mm -hmm. Obviously. My whole goal here is to never offend anyone. I thought it was going to be a worse insult. Or I thought it was going to be like a worse nickname. Yeah. But that's Well, fine. sometimes it's the easiest. Like the, the smallest of slights that are the biggest. I don't know. I read it in a book once. Okay. Well, I'm going to write it down. Uh, Jamie's out there picking up the cones. This is a great scene. Probably my favorite scene in the episode. Jamie's picking up the cones after training. There's some Friday Night Lights music. And what I mean by that is if you've ever seen the TV show or the movie, Friday Night Lights, there's a band called Explosions in the Sky. And they do this like emotional and moody guitar riff, no lyrics, ambient sound. Yeah. And it like plays while Jamie is like, like sadly picking up cones. Mm -hmm. And then he takes yeah. this shot and he hits the crossbar, yep. which you're not supposed to do in soccer, correct? <clears throat> in soccer, you're supposed to put the football ball in the football net it's actually a very common training ground kind of game that guys will play oh okay so generally they'll play it from like goalies will do it from like almost the entire pitch sometimes it's not the entire pitch but like they'll go that's a really halfway. long pitch goalies can crush the ball but usually they'll do it from like halfway and they'll try to see like at the end of practice who can hit the crossbar kind of a thing okay um, so i think it is kind of a, a fun striker game that they'll play where they get on the top of the 18 and they try to hit a bar or call call out their shot and hit a crossbar. So what's funny is Danny Rojas walks in on this. <laughs> he watches him hit the crossbar. And Danny, being a nice guy, is like, oh, it's amazing you can do that. He's like surprised by, not surprised by Jamie's skill, but he's showing some expression of amazement that mm -hmm. Jamie can hit the crossbar. <laughs> he takes it as a friendly competition. Yeah, so exactly. then Danny Rojas kicks one and he hits the crossbar. 
And he's like, one for one, your turn, amigo. Your turn, amigo, which is great. So then they have the crossbar competition. It's a fun little setup where mm-hmm. Back and forth. Jamie is taking it serious and a little bit grumpy. And then mm-hmm. Danny is just having fun. He's so happy yeah. through the whole thing. And then in the end, Jamie misses. Mm-hmm. Danny hits it. And Danny, being a gracious winner, says, I got lucky. Yep. Next time tomorrow, Jamie Tarts. Football is life and runs off. And he's just so great. Like, his happiness is infectious. And I'm pretty sure he chants his name as he runs through the field because who is in the stands but... Good old Lasso and Beard. Lasso and Beard watching from the stands. And Ted is amazed that they have now two star soccer players. Jamie. And that leads us to the episode name, which is... Three Aces. Three Jacks. Oh. Five Queens. It's really tough setting someone up. I've like gave you a solid cross, and you instead of scoring the goalie, you Shre- did the extra pass. I shrewded it. You shrewded it. <laughs> now two aces. Yeah, they're discussing the the amazingness of having now Rojas and Tart together. And Ted's line about how lucky they are is, <laughs> it's like uh, it's like they fell into a pool of cash and Sour Patch Kids. That's where Ted Lass's head is. <laughs> cash and Sour Patch Kids. You a fan of Sour Patch Kids? I am, but at this age, mm. I cannot eat many of them because one, my teeth will hurt. <laughs> Two, the layer of my tongue like falls off. And three, I try not to eat so much sugar. Good on you. Yeah, there were definitely one of those things where I could take a whole theater size thing yeah. when I saw a movie. But yeah, now just a couple to get my uh, teeth wet. Yeah, that's the phrase. <laughs> teeth wet. You did it. Scheudenfreudenberg. So. Then uh, aces becomes a word that they keep saying. Wait, aces? Aces. Aces. Aces? There's a moment, because Beard gets caught up in it too. He gets aces? He gets caught up in the loop. He removes his glasses for dramatic effect. Aces. But his strap that holds his glasses in place stays on the back of his head, which to me makes that strap meaningless. You know what I'm, you know, the strap yeah. that keeps so you can wear your glasses like a necklace? Yeah, I guess When I he notice. pulls his off, it stays on the back. I guess we're taking a break. <laughs> Night, Dad. Good night, princess. I guess we're taking a break. Yeah, so when he takes his glasses off, there's still a strap on the back of his head. It just hangs there. Rewatch huh. it. You'll notice it. Interesting. So then he starts talking about, he's saying aces, and he says something. Yeah, he's still saying aces. He's like, aces? I- Isis? Aces? He's like, you said Isis. Well, yeah, I did say Isis. Didn't mean to say Isis. Didn't want to say it. Aces? Well, if you clone the lead singer of or lead guitarist of Kiss, then you'd have Two Freelies, which is, I thought was great. Beard's reaction for Two Freelies. Did you understand that one? Nope. I don't know any of the members of Kiss. So the lead guitarist is Ace Freely. That is his name. So Ted is trying to set him up for the joke of saying, you have two aces. Right. To to try to like make meaning of that word again. Sure. And of course, Beard says Two Freelies. It's kind of like when they do the other one and he's trying to get him to say Roots Mm. and he has him say a different book title. Yes. I got it. Very good callback. So then we have uh, Roy Kent on the treadmill, mm-hmm. and he is joined by by Keeley. And it was a very interesting setup where it starts at their feet, and you just see a guy on the treadmill, sure. and then two pairs of or a pair of high heels pop on the treadmill. And I'm like, what is going on here? At first, I thought it was Rebecca. Okay, like, what is she doing there? But then, lo and behold, it's Keeley. And what is Roy reading? Oh, oh he's reading a Wrinkle in Time. A Wrinkle in Time. Now I thought he the wrinkle in time with uh, the the lovely granddaughter or not granddaughter but niece no when he was with phoebe he just gets to a point okay. where just a very dramatic yeah. quote they wanted to use for this okay so he's yeah. almost done with it seemingly. so Kelia showed up because she's doing all the players bios mm-hmm. because she is helping with marketing and she explains to roy that there's a player on the team that grew up in south london uh was sent to sunderland when he was a kid <laughs> sunderland Sunderland. So it sounds weird if you say it's Sunderland. What did I say? You said Sunderland. 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 That's how it's spelled, Sunderland. <laughs> it's like Derby. I Darby. will use its Christian name, Sunderland. <laughs> so then she's talking about Roy, of course. 
what is Sunderland, Tom? Who is Sunderland? Are they uh, a team? Yeah, Sunderland is another. They're kind of one of those teams. I think they've been in the Premier League for a while, but I think they have been relegated. They've played in the Tier 2 before. They're kind of one of those teams that bounces back and forth. Okay, and she says South London, like South London is a bad place to be. I'm assuming that it's maybe I'm, a rougher part of London. Yeah, I just know Chelsea, the team that I follow, they're from North London, but where everybody else is for the parts of town in London, I'm not going to speak to that. I'll let our British audience tell us more sure send us an email at teambingepodcast at gmail.com nailed it we love to hear from you i've appreciated everyone's email so far other than the ones asking for money so she brings up something those i'm actually fine with so (laughs) she brings up that this that roy at one point sang a song at a charity dinner called winner winner a football dinner (laughs) and he says that was for world hunger and her response is i believe it was the cure Mm, it's just a really good back and forth between the two of them she i guess makes the comment up at the beginning she's like i'm pretending like we're out on a walk which i thought he would have bitten on because i feel like he is more into her than she has shown him i don't know they're definitely having the same and diane kind of thing where they're not they don't reciprocate at the same time like one seems to be pushing the envelope when one and the other one is not. Sure. But their but names... that's just all part of their... Uh, their their uh, names are Roy and Keeley, so I don't know why you keep calling them Sam and Diane. I don't know. It's one of those famous... Uh, what is it? Uh, cheers? Cheers. 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 Cheers, babe. All right. So then we have Danny Rojas running around on the field, doing a <laughs> cone drill, just shouting his name, and all of a sudden he injures himself. Wow! He falls over. This was not a This is injury. a great sound effect yeah. you're doing. <laughs> I can't believe you got the soundboard in here to do all these. So then he is in the training room or he's in the locker room and they're like stretching his leg out. And he says, something tripped me, something not there. (laughs) And then he crosses himself. (laughs) And this is a great moment because it's Ted Beard, Danny Rojas, uh, Kent, Roy Kent. And then Higgins is in there as well as Nate. Mm -hmm. And Nate says, this is all my far, all my... (laughs) Okay, wait, wait, take two, take two. Did you want me to finish the quote? Sure. <laughs> and so Nate says, this is all my fault. Uh, I, I saw Danny going into the treatment room and didn't say anything. And then Higgins just gets so upset, like visibly in the background. Right, and Roy like, does too. What's going on? And then everybody, yeah, everybody's kind of reacting. And then Roy even says like... Everyone reacts like Danny is doomed. Yeah. And Ted and Beard don't understand. And so Ted is outraged just an outburst He's right like, so somebody doesn't tell me what's going on right now i'm gonna throw a temper tantrum just like my child does <laughs> yeah. and he's like my child just says a bunch of nonsense words <laughs> like poo poo and this and that and then he goes am i missing any and beard's like pee pee fingers <laughs> pee fingers pee fingers <laughs> so beard and lasso don't know what's going on see i've watched these episodes before so mm-hmm. like I know what's happening in the room. You did not. No. Were you just like, what are they talking about? Oh, I was 100% in Ted and Beard's shoes. I'm like, what is going on? What are they talking about? Although you have kind of spoiler alerted the idea of there being ghosts in one of the early episodes where we said that this place used to be a hospital. I have never apologized for anything <laughs> in my life, and I'm not going to start now. So we find out that the treatment room is cursed. They Ted goes, how come... We weren't told. And Sam Obasanya is so great in this episode. He doesn't come in until the until this moment, but he's just got some great moments. He says, well, I think it has a lot to do with grown men being embarrassed to admit they believe in all this hoodoo, voodoo, juju business. Yep. So good. And then Roy's like, I don't believe in it. And Ted's like, great. You and I are going to go into that treatment room. Roy's like, oh, I'm not going in there. No. Like, like, why aren't you going in there? He's like, no, no, I'm just, I'm not going in. And Ted's like, I don't understand. Danny was a healthy, joyous, raven-haired golden retriever, <laughs> which leads to a conversation once again from Sam coming in hot. Yeah, then Sam is like, was it? Is it true in America that so many beautiful dogs and pounds just get put down for no good reason? <laughs> and then Ted's like, well, yeah, that's true, but it's come to do with uh, a lot of females song or singers. Let's try it again. Ted's like, that's true. It's that's a tough one. You do it. All right, but I'm leaving one. all this in. No, you're not leaving yes. all this in. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Darn you. Ted says that's true, but it's something that a lot of sing 
Dang it. Ted says that's true, but it's something a lot of female singer-songwriters are trying to change, which is a reference to uh, Sarah McLachlan. McLachlan and her Arms of the Angel commercials oh, with all those fun four dogs. That one. Yeah, I'm not going to edit it. I'll just bleep you. Right. So the team, the team gathers at the pub. Having so much fun tonight. Yeah, that's good. That's what we're here for. The team gathers at the pub. The pub is called the Crown and Anchor. I didn't know you know that knew that, but I looked it up. They've all gathered because they are there to solve the curse. Why did they have to go there? I think they just wanted to go there and I mean gather the whole team. They're all in civilian clothes. Uh, We get the publican up there. She's great. Mm -hmm. We get Paul, Baz, and the other one. I don't remember the third one's name. So Ted goes into, he's talking about curses, and he's like, hey, other curses have been lifted. We can lift this one, the Red Sox, uh, the something. Cubs. The White Sox? No, 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 the Cubs. Oh, the Cubs. The Red Sox and the Cubs. Okay. And then he says, Martin Scorsese's Oscar, finally got his Oscar win. They debate the movies. What's your favorite, Martin? I'll, I'll list the ones they say in the show, and then you can tell me while you're thinking about your favorite Martin Scorsese. They argue whether or not it's... Because he wins for The Departed. Mm-hmm. They say, hey, that's not his best work. Someone throws out Color of Money, Goodfellas, Mean Streets, Cape Fear. Cape Fear was Beard. What's your life? like, Cape Fear. Oh, that's right. Beard's like, Cape Fear. The way he says that, like <laughs> yeah. the way he delivers those lines. I have actually not seen several of the movies. I've seen The Departed. I've seen Goodfellas. And what's your favorite? My favorite is not on that list. Because I think some of them are a little bit older and... Not necessarily dated. Like Goodfellas is a fantastic classic movie, but my favorite would be Games of New York. I love Bill the Butcher. I love Leo DiCaprio in that movie. I think it's just such a cool, stylized period piece. I don't think I ever realized that was a Scorsese film. Yeah, I really like Goodfellas. I really like uh, Departed. Um, I would not be able to do them on a podcast because of the language barrier. Mm. But Boston the accents. Public, yes, the Boston <laughs> accents. The short. Anyways, so the publican explains that at one point, and they give her the floor, which is great. Yeah. And it kind of goes between her and Higgins. They like seamlessly tell this story mm-hmm. about how there were these posters that said, are you a fast fit fan of football? Which is a recruiting poster. Nailed that one. We find, I did. Ted says, great alliteration. Yeah. Uh, so thank you, Ted. I'll take that compliment. <laughs> it's dated November 18th. 1914 which is during world war one which britain was of course involved in they put these posters up these young fit fans of football showed Mm -hmm. up at the stadium thinking they were going to get to try out for the team instead there were a bunch of recruiters 400 lads enlisted and very few came home Mm -hmm. and then they say something like and after they enlisted where did they get their physicals and someone's like our treatment room. Oh no! Everybody freaks out. Yeah. It's like, oh no! In the treatment room, treatment room. Ted has to come in. He's like, no, it wasn't in the treatment room. All right, it was in the treatment room. But <laughs> I just need you guys to stop and think about it for a second. He's like, I'm not sure why I lied there, but <laughs> yeah. So that's why their treatment room is haunted. But Someone... I love, I, I love the line when I think they said like 400, and then I don't know which player it is. I think Isaac goes, or Isaac in the back goes something like, "Wait, so you're saying there's 400 ghosts?" Yeah, and he's like. Is it Colin? He's like, yeah, that's too many ghosts. We can't fight all of them. Yeah, Colin says there's too many ghosts. And then the French player, I don't know his name, goes, we can't fight all of them. (laughs) It was just so good. I loved it. Very good. And so Ted decides that in order to get rid of the ghosts, that they all need to gather. And since they made the ultimate sacrifice, they all need to sacrifice something. A lot of the players don't want to do it. But who Mm -hmm. comes in? Boom. The first domino, Roy. He stands up and screams at everybody and tells them, hey, we're doing this. That's your captain talking. Mm -hmm. So... Do you find it odd that they didn't think to call the Ghostbusters first? I don't. I don't think the Ghostbusters could have helped them in this situation because it's not like a physical ghost. Yeah. You know? Well, and they're based out of New York. I don't know what their um, experience Yeah, it's probably are. super difficult to get a flight to London or yeah, as we've discussed, you Richmond, can't get Virginia. City. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. So then we find Keely and Jamie. They are outside. I'm assuming Keely's house. They are. They say it. And Jamie's like, why do we got to meet out here? We should go inside. She says, if we go inside, we're probably going to have relations and we're broken up. She says, I've had three glasses of wine. It's like Pavlovian. And he says, Jamie, being 
dumb as a rock sometimes. Yeah, does, it doesn't get the Pavlovian. He's like, no. Pavlovian, is, is that the wine? Is that the wine? And then he's like, can we at least get in the car? And she's like, no, if we get in the car, we'll shag there too. Yeah, and he's like, like, the car is also Pavlovian. <laughs> Just a great, great moment from Jamie. We don't have to go into what Pavlovian means. All of you know already. Mm-hmm. Then Jamie goes into and he's complaining about Ted and how Ted is trying to get them to join in this ritual to get rid of ghosts. And he thinks it's all garbage. Mm-hmm. What I did think was interesting is he talks about himself a little bit. And he says, you know, if I did what everyone else did, would a kid that grew up in a council estate in North Manchester that made it to the Premier League, if I did what everyone else did, would I have made it here? Mm-hmm. Uh, I had to look up because I was like, I don't know what council estates means. Mm-hmm. And so what I had to look it up is is council estates in Britain are essentially government housing, mm-hmm. like poor government housing. So what we're finding out is that Jamie grew up, uh, which is surprising, just I guess my assumptions about him. Yeah. Uh, but he grew up in apparently a, a poor, poor part of town. Uh, and now he's in the Premier League. So do you think that is this really the first time that we've seen Jamie? I mean, I was obviously opening up to Keeley, but like, is this the first time we get any sort of backstory on Jamie? Because all we've normally known from this point is that he's a star soccer player and he's a jerk. Like, that's about it. Like, this is the first time we actually know, like, he's a jerk for reasons, which I mean, we'll get into. I don't. I don't think they're warranted when he kind of comes in at the end, which we'll kind of talk to sure. later to that scene. Um, but I thought it was interesting to be this late in it um, to just start finally getting a touch of what uh, where he's coming from. Yeah, I don't think we learn anything else about his backstory until this moment. Okay. And you're right. I don't think it justifies his actions, but obviously it gives you a fuller picture of yep. who he is. Keeley says something like, hey, it's, you know, I know you're a battler. Uh, meaning you, you know, you grew up and you made it this far on your own. And she gives him some great advice, which is stop battling the people that are trying to help you. Yeah. Which is Ted, and and I think that is uh, an important important thing. Sometimes you got to get out of your own way. And then we have a great scene once again. Sam Obasanya, mm-hmm. love this. He shows up in Rebecca's office. She's just got this open door policy. Anyone's allowed to walk in there. He introduces Does she himself. have an open door policy? I don't know. It <laughs> seems like it based on Keely, Sam, everyone else walking into our office. Um, but Sam is real is great. He introduces himself. He's mm-hmm. like, hey, I'm Sam Obasanya. I'm on the team. She's like, Sam, I, I know who you are. And so he talks to her about joining the team down in order to lift the curse. She's, he makes some comment about, you know, everyone always assumes the Nigeria knows what's going on. And he's he's like, I actually do love this yeah. stuff, but it's mainly for my love of Harry Potter, <laughs> which he then talks about the author of Harry Potter. Yeah, and J.K. Rowling and how, you know, he appreciates the idea of her being like, she's richer than the queen, makes that note. And then and Rebecca says, yeah, I didn't know that. But he mentioned specifically that um, he likes the idea of somebody being rich because of what they gave to the world and not just because of their family. Not because which I of thought was, family. Yeah, no. really cool insight. <clears throat> and Sam is great in this scene. At first, when he comes in, I missed this part. At first, when he comes in, he asks her if she has anything to do that evening. And she assumes it's, he's asking her out on a date. that's clever. And he says, no, 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 I don't mean this in a romantic way. And he says, you are so lovely that you must get romantic invitations all the time. Very smooth by Sam. Well, I also think it's very clever, too, because he starts it off by, like, are you free tonight kind of a thing. So she's like referencing by saying like, oh, I am free tonight. Now he knows she can't give her the excuse. Hey, I've got to do this benefit or something. I don't think Sam's that that devious. I think we just came up with that, but I did not come up with it. You came up with it, which is good. It's very good. I'm I'm with you on your theory. I just think it's wrong and I disagree with you. (laughs) And the reason he's inviting her down is Ted says, hey, in order for this to work, the whole team's got to be there. Mm hmm. Is there a romantic relationship developing between Sam and Rebecca in your mind? You keyed in on Keely and Lasso slowly falling in love. I'll give you that from episode one. Mm. You figured that piece out. What do you think about Sam and Rebecca? I feel like you're trying to throw these things like to get me off the scent. So I feel like I got Roy and Keely pretty quickly. Sure. So, no, uh, this is not a Sam and Rebecca is not a Sam and Diane situation. <laughs> Oh, incredible work. Incredible work. Ted and the team are all in the treatment room. He starts talking 
And Rebecca shows up, which is great. The yeah. whole team is there. She sidles on in. Ted starts off, and, and one of our big questions from the pilot episode where Ted says he believes in ghosts, but more importantly, he hopes they believe in himself. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Our question was, does Ted believe in ghosts? He opens this meeting with... He, he, well, I'm not sure what you're cueing me for. I'm cueing you to say that Ted says he is a believer. He believes in ghosts. He says something else before he gets to aliens. But he's like, he's, I believe in ghosts. I believe in aliens. But I do think this is interesting because this gives us a brand new meaning to believe in like the name of our podcast. Is it more than just believing in yourself? Is it Ted believes in Oh, this is the more spiritual thing. Yes. Okay. Okay. Is there more? This is some ancient aliens type Mm, stuff. Yeah. I don't know. We'll have to have the debate with the other podcast called Believe, a Ted Lasso podcast. No, we can take those guys. We've already trademarked it. No, no, no. They're coming for you. They seem like nice guys. So. It's a guy and a girl. One of the lines that is. Okay. One of the lines that uh, I really enjoy is Ted says. Nothing lasts forever, and he says, with the exception of the wit and wisdom of Calvin and Hobbes. And when I heard this, I'm like, man, this is going to be exciting for Mr. Julian, because I know he's a big Calvin and Hobbes fan. has a tattooed on his bum. I love Calvin and Hobbes. Yes, I do. (laughs) That's the tattoo I was talking about getting on its uh, twin body Mm -hmm. part. The Calvin and Hobbes comic is incredible. I love it. Unfortunately, one of my children read it at a young age and he has taken on the mentality of (laughs) calvin the cynical negative calvin or maybe he's just gotten it from his dad who knows (laughs) there's no way of knowing there's no way of knowing so then we have this uh, this group scene where everyone is putting their items in to the fire pot in order to sacrifice it for the ghosts we learn some about roy roy was nine when he was scouted for sunderland very good and so his thing is a blanket. The blanket reminds him of home. His granddad gave it to him when his, when he left. Mm-hmm. Uh, but before he came back, his grandfather had died, which I was surprised. At. So they're recruiting kids at nine, and these kids are going to, like, soccer camp? They do I, kind of what I mentioned in uh, one of the earlier pods. They have, like, academies. So Sunderland will have an academy that's just, like, it's still youth soccer. The kids are still playing for fun and all this stuff. But they're kind of a part of the main uh, a club so the club can like see how these kids are developing and if they see a lot of young talent they'll they'll bring them up because there's guys that are playing in that league that are uh, interesting play uh there are guys that are playing in that league that are incredibly young incredibly young okay so great moment at one point he calls the blanket blanky yeah right before he's getting ready to finally put it into the uh the fire pit if you will he calls it blanky and then i think it's uh, isaac's like did yeah. you just say blanky he's like no, I said blanket. Conversation over. Sam, go. Sam, go. So <laughs> Sam then has his picture of the Nigerian World Cup team. He says, I swore I'd keep this until I made the team, but he gives it up into the fire. Our favorite French player. Great moment here. This guy also kicking a thousand. Dumps a vial of sand in. He says, this is the first place that I ever... This is sand from St. Bart's. Yep, the first, first place. The first beach that I ever slept with a supermodel. And he starts to cry. And Colin, great moment, takes him by the shoulders. And he goes, smile because it happened. Yes. It's just such a great moment. (laughs) And uh, I think Ted says something like, wow, opposite ends of the spectrum there. Something along those lines. Nate's gift to the fire is... Oh, he gives these sunglasses away. Because he said a girl once said he looked like Clive Owen. (laughs) Uh, which is just so great just fantastic and like we've seen we we have you know nate we've seen smooth nate yeah we, nate nate's got that thing so it's it's got to be rough to get rid of those sunglasses yeah and then rebecca throws in today's tabloid mm-hmm. she says f the haters it's a good moment because i think that like she doesn't really interact with the team That's and when true. she says that like the whole team kind of reacts and kind of laughs and stuff and they're kind of seeing you know the human side of rebecca right no that's a good point i i would have uh, gone right over that but you're right they all agree with her and you can tell there's a bonding moment there mm-hmm. then higgins rolls in oh this is this he throws me. a cat collar in this, this got me his 20 year old cat and the oh. cat's name tom oh. is cindy clawford cindy clawford oh, has so there ever been a better cat name oh, so fantastic when that name hit did you die laughing well i was still like, laugh i saw that caller and it's the callback to the last episode right. where he said he would be an emotional wreck when his 20 year old cat dies 
and now he's, we're realizing just an episode later his 20 year old cat died but then he throws the humor in and calling it cindy clawford it was it was a, an emotional up and down roller coaster oh, for me cindy clawford so great <laughs> and then we have a player montage of the other players throwing stuff in it's great we end on Colin throwing the keys to his Lamborghini. Which I feel Colin maybe took it a little bit too literal in terms of you got to put something in the fire that yeah, has value to you. Um, and then Beard, of course, has the line. He's like, how are you getting home? <laughs> right. How are you getting home? And Colin realizes he's made a mistake. So before we get into Jamie's appearance, as he kind of comes into the room, would, would there be anything? Because they're all getting rid of stuff that has a lot of value to them. Was, is there anything specific that you can think of that you would want to donate to this this fire? I mean, I don't believe in ghosts, so no, I wouldn't put anything of value. But it, into it's not this. as much about the ghosts. I think like there's got there's not so all the team players. exercise. It's a team exercise. Yeah, just like donating the money and putting it in the little kitty box that uh, Nate made. I think it's the same kind of thing. You're literally buying in. Okay. So you you know, being with the team and giving up something of value. I wish I had been given this question ahead of time. That way I wouldn't have to repeat it in order to stall while I think of an answer. But if I was given time, I would probably say, I don't know. I don't have a okay. good answer. You could cut all this you? out if it's not a good one. I don't necessarily have a good one either, but I thought it was interesting just because they they all came with something like pretty powerful. Like you see some of the stuff that gets put in are, Nobody, they don't say anything because they're just ancillary characters. Like sure. the goalie puts in like goalie gloves or whatever. So it's probably like his first when he first started playing or something sure. like that. So I just thought it was interesting, all the different backstories you can kind of create with these. Right. And what they did put in there was not just, it's not the Lamborghini keys. It was, a lot of it was very heartfelt. Right. Stuff. Yeah, I'd probably put like my social security card or my birth certificate, something like that in Get there. Get off the grid. Yeah, just set that on fire. <clears throat> so then Jamie appears. He's got a pair of cleats. They are not baby cleats. They are full grown man cleats. But he explains to him what explains to us what they represent is that his mom got him into football. His parents had split. He uses the term when I was a wee sexy baby, which is just a great line. I kind of like when I heard that I went to like the Austin Powers. Didn't uh, oh yeah like yeah that bastard say that at one point? Yeah, wee sexy baby. Sexy baby. He said that Scottish. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So. He said he started playing because he wanted to make his mother proud, uh, wanted to be a good lad. And then he got so good that his dad, who apparently was kind of an absentee father, mm -hmm. started to pay attention. And so his dad would get on him if he didn't score a goal, if he wasn't like the toughest guy on the field. And so Jamie felt like he had to kind of harden himself and be the best player, you know, the guy that scored the goals in order to... Uh, impress his dad or at mm -hmm. least not allow his dad to call him soft yeah and so he then has this real you know moment i hope it's real you know it seems genuine yeah. where he makes the comment that you know he sometimes forgets that he should play to make his mother proud mm -hmm. and if she would be proud with how he has been playing and and so interesting moment of him reflecting and I do think it's genuine. I think it's a genuine uh, moment for him. Yeah, I do. And I think it, it it's emotionally resonating and it hits. But again, I think this character has just done so much before this that to me, this doesn't make up for, for anything that he's done before. Um, and it, it is interesting. Had they have maybe presented this a little bit sooner and gave him a little bit of hubris, this could have hit harder. But to me, it was a heartwarming story, but didn't make me feel emotional at all. Sure. Okay. <laughs> Now, do you think he returned because of what Keeley said to him? I guess, what do you think the driving force, or he just didn't want to be... Oh, it's 100% what Keeley said. Yeah, I okay. think Keeley, you know, finally... Because as we've seen, Jamie doesn't seemingly care about nearly anybody's opinion but his own. Right. Uh, but I do think there's clearly a, a relationship and mutual respect with him and Keeley. And when Keeley kind of opened his eyes, if you will, saying, like, if people are not out to get you, they're not your father, more or less. Right. They're not trying to call you soft or anything. They're just trying to help you be a better soccer player in Ted's case, help you be a better man. Sure. Um, so yeah, that's definitely gotta be the catalyst for why he shows up. Sure. Well, I enjoyed it. It's once again, it's nice to see a little bit more into Jamie's life. I don't think those things excuse behavior. Mm -hmm. I mean, they can kind of inform it, but <laughs> I don't think it excuses behavior. It's like when someone who's like 70 is like, Oh, when I was a kid, this is happening. And this is why I'm terrible now. <laughs> and you're like, a lot of distance between you could have yeah. gotten better yeah anyways ted then goes to light the fire pot this, this is a great moment <laughs> this was great because 
I was watching this with my wife, and as we're watching it, and he's like, he shakes the matches in his hand oh, yeah, or whatever the little... matchbox. Yeah, I'm literally saying, you should not be letting this inside. <laughs> like, what are they doing? They're gonna burn down this uh, this training room or whatever. Um, but then of course, beer comes in, like right as he lights it, he's getting ready to like make the dramatic metaphorical, you know, uh, moment. Sure. And beer's like, whoa, whoa, maybe we should do this part outside. He says the way beer delivers lines. He's like, maybe we should do this outside. Like yeah. he like he like kind of rush yells. Yeah. Like it's the same when he's like, hey, beer. He does that like. This, yeah, this is why I love Beard. Like he's such a great character, and the way they do the little like quips, uh, the actor just delivers it so brilliantly. Yeah, he does a great job. So then we're outside on the pitch, very well shot. To the opening ceremonies of burning all the stuff. Uh, Higgins says the eagle has landed to him. We don't know what that means, and then says, and and then Ted goes into great spirits. We need a sign <laughs> that you have essentially forgiven us. And who appears healthy and running? Danny Rojas, Rojas, Danny Rojas. Danny Rojas arrives healthy, and he's got a bottle of mezcal. Oh, mezcal, have you ever had mezcal? I have not. We should have had mezcal for this. It's uh, but but podcasting and booze don't mix. Sure, tequila adjacent, I believe. Yeah, and so he Rojas is like, oh, I brought this bottle. I was going to throw it in the fire. He says something funny, like I was going to throw it in the demon fire or <laughs> yeah. something like that. And Jamie's like, whoa. And Jamie calls him Rogas. Like, he doesn't do Rojas. He calls him oh, he Ro Rogas. He says it wrong. He's like, whoa there. He's like, don't throw that. Uh, we should all share it. And Roy, in a rare moment, agrees with Jamie and says, ghosts prefer empty bottles that we've all drunk. <laughs> Which is great. So they start passing around the bottle. We then find out that Ted knew Danny was healthy mm -hmm. before the ceremony. I don't think anyone's buying that the ceremony fixed Danny Rojas, but the timing of it yeah. is all very well. Yeah, it's just fun. And we see this moment with Rebecca Higgins and Ted, where Higgins was in on it, Rebecca was not. Mm -hmm. And so we're seeing this kind of bond form. Obviously, it's been forming between Higgins and Ted, and Rebecca is bothered by it because she can see the team is forming yeah that look because she's she's out there kind of enjoying the moment with the team and kind of says like you know i think at one point literally says like this is the team is clearly bonding and i think when higgins or when she realized that higgins was in on this with ted she gives that just like daggers look to Higgins, right. kind of a thing which i don't think i caught in the first viewing but when i saw it again like yeah she's absolutely like realizing like crap i'm alone now in trying to destroy this team because sure. at this point everybody else is on board with with what's going on right I don't really understand her motivation. Like Ted has been nothing but a positive force, but from a show like point of view, yeah. I understand why she's still she... kind of need a villain, if you will. But I think she still has her motivations of trying to destroy the club for you know Rupert or whatever. Right. But you would imagine what's been going on thus far, her motivations would have twisted and changed. Sure, but we'll see. We'll see. There's still plenty of time left. That's true. So then they do the Richmond till we die chant, which was fun. Chanting is a big part of soccer, Tom. Why mm -hmm. don't you tell us about your favorite chants and why uh, chanting in a group at people is something you've been doing for a long time. Keep the blue flag flying high. It's one of my favorite chants. That's a Chelsea's chant. Okay. I, won't, I won't regale you with it. What they do here with the AFC Richmond, Richmond till you die is a very common chant. Uh, a lot of teams will just more or less uh, put in their own name and oh, do okay. that until we die. Uh, sure I am, I hear I am. This is rich until we die. Got so it. that's a pretty kind of common one, but it was kind of fun to see them kind of doing it. Um, but a lot of the clubs around uh, uh, around England and in the Premier League, all their fans will have different ones. Another really big famous one is from West Ham United. They do a song called Bubbles. Uh, so the whole kind of crowd, and they literally have bubble machines that play in the entire huh. thing. It literally okay. takes you back to childhood. But like when their players are coming on the pitch, there's just bubbles flying everywhere, and the fans are doing the big chant, kind of clapping their hands overhead. Oh, it's, cool! It's a lot of fun. Okay, yeah, I'd like to go to a football game where they chant stuff. That sounds like a good time. I feel like we should do that in the states. Like it'd be fun to do that for like a, in a football, not American football game or. Sure, more more singing in groups. That's what church is for, Tom. <laughs> more chanting in groups. That's what church is for. So then Ted is super happy. Uh, we've, we've cut from that night. We're like, mm -hmm. next day, Ted's super happy, walking through the locker room, giving high fives, says, good morning. Said, good morning, Hunter Munch. Again, keeping that's the callback to uh, the, the silly uh, nicknames, the yeah, cute nicknames, right? It. Yep. And then Beard gives him this look. We don't hear the conversation, but we find out that Rebecca has sent Jamie back to Manchester City. 
Manchester City and Manchester United, different clubs, right? Correct. Okay. Manchester United had always been there. They still are one of the most valuable clubs in all of sports, uh, just from a merchandising and popularity standpoint. Manchester City was bought by these bajillionaires, like probably five to ten years ago. Okay. Uh, and because they weren't necessarily a top tier team, but over the past five to ten years, they've become an absolute powerhouse. Got it. Okay. Ted is very upset. He rushes into Rebecca's office. He gets mad at her. This is, once again, Ted kind of fraying. We see uh, he angrily gives her her morning biscuits. This is technically biscuits with the boss. Right. This is the worst biscuits with the boss we've seen thus far. Right. And then he says something like, I hope you hate them. I hope they're terrible. But then he screams and he finally kind of lets this out. He like reveals like, like, this is the best batch I've ever made. Uh, which is finally like it's like I finally cracked the recipe, right? Uh, so now, and I don't know. There's kind of a look from Rebecca. I don't know if she like picked up on that. That Ted has been the one making them this whole time. Maybe we'll see in the next episode if there's more to that. Um, but I just love like like I hope you hate him. Like, but I know you won't. I love it. <laughs> I finally cracked the recipe. I love when he shouts that. And then he's back in the office, and he's there's down. sadly he's They're down. Down. But Danny Rojas coming in here, just a great moment. Leans in. He says, Coach. Football is life. Mm-hmm. He's trying to cheer Ted up. Jamie's jersey is sadly taken down. The song that plays, once again, love what Bill Lawrence and the team do with music in these episodes. The song that plays is a song called Harmony Hall by a band called Vampire Weekend. I don't really know these guys' work. I've heard of them before. Lovely song. Uh, I looked it up on YouTube. So like one of the lyrics to the song and the chorus is, I don't want to live like this, but I don't want to die. Mm, yeah. Someone in the comments section was like, COVID 2020. I don't want to live like this, but I don't want to die. Yeah, this is the song for you, which I thought was great. But yeah. enjoyed this episode. I love Danny Rojas. Danny Rojas is like, Ted Lasso's positive. Danny Rojas is positive. Danny mm. Rojas is like, great footballer, also great human, or like just a super positive influence. So I enjoyed that. And I also enjoyed finding out a little bit about all the players. I do think it's interesting the way they did this episode where it's like Jamie made the turn, mm-hmm. like Jamie's on the team. Yep. And then gut punch, he's gone. Yep. Yeah, I do like the introduction of Rojas. I think he's going to be a very fun, dynamic character. Because um, I think there was something, not necessarily missing, but I think there was with Jamie, to me, even if he would have turned like he was going to in this episode, I wouldn't have liked it. I wouldn't have wanted to see him now play and have all this dynamic because I don't forget all the other horrible stuff he's done beforehand. Sure. So I'm, I'm not, I love the character. He was a very funny character. I love the way he played off of Roy. Um, you know, like you said, you've seen the whole series uh, or this season. I have only seen, you know, up to episode six here. It'll be interesting if they do do any callbacks or bring him back in, in the future. Maybe it'd be fun if, you know, Next time Richmond uh, or AFC Richmond plays Manchester City, maybe they'll hit each other on the pitch. Um, I don't know. I'm excited to see what happens next. Wonderful. Well, I'm excited for you. I already know what happens, and it only gets better from here. Mm. So uh, for those of you joining us, we appreciate you spending some time with us. If you have questions or would like to ask us anything, mm-hmm. that's also called a question. Yeah. You can email us at teambingepodcast at gmail.com. Yep. And then if you have other people that like Ted Lasso and like podcasts, mm-hmm. by all means, recommend us. Yeah. Smash um, that subscribe button. Give us some five stars on all those big apps and stuff to get us more uh, more viewers. We want to continue this. We're having a lot of fun. We're here for us, though. So, yeah. <laughs> But we enjoy you all being Listen, here along for the ride. This goal is going to be for you. Well, it's going to be more for me. <laughs> all right. It's going to be for us. It's going to be for us. Yeah. Thank you, Jamie Tart. Oh, uh, and so next week we will be talking about episode seven of season one. And that episode is called Roy Haas Rumble. I hope. Roy Haas Rumble. That's good. I like that. That was much better than last week's. No, 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 no. The week before. Oh, I had nothing the week before. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, bye, everybody. All right, bye, everybody. Bye. Thanks. That was great. Oh, man. <laughs>